Welcome to the Elm City Church Podcast. As a community of people who are trying to practice the way of Jesus together, we hope that these messages inspire and equip you for the journey of faith in everyday life. So one of my favorite sort of running jokes in the TV show, The Office, is how concerned Dwight is about his title. Do we have any Office fans in the house? A few, yeah. So, uh, you know, they're always trying to kind of pacify him, and so they give him the title of uh, assistant to the regional manager, which is sort of this made-up title. And so the entire show, he's just really wanting to become the assistant regional manager, and it's, just, it's, it's a pretty funny uh, plot line. Uh, but uh, Shannon just had a birthday, and I won't tell you how old she is, but it's a very big one that starts with a four, so I'm not going to say what it was, but it was an important one. And uh, she's been doing a great job here at Elm City Church, and her family noticed. And so her family uh, wanted to uh, really make her feel special for how good of a job that she's done. And so they got her a trophy um, that says that she is the assistant to the pastor. And uh, so she's very excited about, uh, about this. And we're all very proud of you, Shannon, for, uh, for flying. <laughs> uh, flying, flying high. Uh, you know, titles aren't everything, but titles do convey something, right? You know, titles convey something. You know, for example... If you had a kid that uh, you wanted to get soccer coaching for, and you thought that, oh yeah, Albert's raising his hand in the back, and uh, maybe you, sh- you know, think they showed a lot of potential, who would you want to send them to based on the title alone? Would you send them to the uh, soccer guide, the soccer trainer, or to the certified premier soccer analyst and development expert? <laughs> uh, you might actually avoid the last one because it sounds uh, presumptuous. But there'd probably be a pull towards that last one because there's something about the title that you know, brings a certain level of uh, you know, experience with it. There'd be a strong pull towards that final one because of what it implies. So another way to think about a title is a label. And so the, often the labels, you know, we have all these labels that we apply to ourselves without even knowing it. And the reason why labels are important because they shape how we view ourselves, and our sense of personal identity. So some labels we have for ourselves are good and healthy, and others of them actually end up being pretty uh, harmful. You know, there's many people I know that maybe from junior high have carried around a label with them that they are a failure, an imposter, disappointment. And you've carried that with you, and it really impacts uh, how you view yourself. Um, which is why Ephesians has been such a refreshing read. Because over and over it tells us, this is who you are now in Jesus. Yes. Ephesians is full of labels and names and identity markers for the change that has happened if you are a follower of Jesus. And so this week I quickly reread Ephesians, just jotted down some, but not all of them. So what I want you to do now is just kind of take a deep breath. Sit back, pay attention, and if you were a follower of Jesus, just listen to all the different things that define who you are. That whether you believe it or not, whether you feel it or not, it does not matter. This is who Jesus says you are because you are in Christ. This is just a couple of them. You're a saint. 
You are faithful in Christ Jesus. You are chosen. You are blessed. You are holy. You are blameless. You are adopted, redeemed, forgiven, sealed. You're part of the church. You've been made alive. You've been saved. You are God's workmanship. Another way of saying that, you're God's masterpiece. You're part of those who have been brought near. You're a citizen of heaven. You're a member of the household of God. You're a part of the called. You've been filled. You're a grace recipient. You've been forgiven. You're a child of God. You are someone who Christ loves and gave himself up for. You're a saint. You're a light in the Lord. You're a servant of Jesus Christ. And that's just some of them. You know, which one of these as you're listening and looking at that, you don't have to say it out loud, but which one of those just encouraged you when you saw that? If you truly believed, this is true of me in Christ Jesus. I know as I was kind of re-going back through my message this morning, the two of them that jumped out to me were, I'm forgiven. That I'm someone who Christ loves and gave himself up for. Because if you have given your life to Jesus, if you have been you know, born again, if you have been saved, uh, all of these titles apply to you. How, how does that make you feel? If you remember nothing else from this morning, I hope you walk away with some encouragement that this is true for all people who are in Christ Jesus. And again, here's why this is so important. Because action flows from identity. Action flows from identity. You know, oftentimes in Scripture, you'll see Christians falling into sin or not acting like Christians. And the call back is around the lines of, hey, Remember who you are. Like, remember who you are. This is not who you are anymore. Like, repent, return to who God says you are. Like, stop acting like your old life. This is now who you are in Christ Jesus. And as we get to the end of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, he applies one more sort of identity marker to himself. And it's one that's applied to all followers of Jesus. It's an identity that we all need to own and need to live into. So if you want, if you have your Bibles with you, if you want to open to Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to read 18 through 24. If you don't have your Bible with you this morning, it'll also be up on the screen. Um, This is message 33 or 34 in our Ephesians series. And I promise it would be the last one, although I was like, man, I could probably get two more out of this. But, you know, this is, we are landing the plane this morning, um, and this is, this is what it says. Um, actually, I'm going to read from the one that matches up there, because I like this, this, this translation. It says, pray at all times in the Spirit with every prayer and request, and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. And pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth, to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. For this I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might be bold enough to speak about it as I should. Tychicus, our dearly loved brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you all the news about me so that you may be informed. 
So this was the person who uh, brought the letter from Rome to Ephesus. I am sending this to you for this very reason, to let you know how we are and to encourage your hearts. Peace to the brothers and sisters in love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who have undying love for our Lord Jesus Christ. And thus he concludes his letter. But the final title that Paul gives himself and the one I want to discuss this morning about what it means for us is that he is an ambassador. But not just any ambassador, he is an ambassador in chains. And so an ambassador in this time had a very similar role to what ambassadors do today. They were official representatives who had been sent to a foreign land sort of with a ministry and a message of the king or ruler that sent them. So you know, an ambassador is working in a place that is not their home and working for the interests of the one who sent them. And normally this position would come with prestige, honor, benefits. It was a big deal to be an ambassador. But Paul's doing a bit of a play on words here when he calls himself an ambassador in chains. Because on festive occasions, ambassadors would wear sort of ornamental chains as, as a decorative way to show, their, show the prestige of their countries. They would, really, they, they would dress up. And uh, here are a few modern examples. Um, there's not chains, but you see the diplomatic uniforms. That's the, you know, an old picture of a diplomat from Japan. And uh, that's um, a guy from Belgium who looks like a ton of fun. And, uh, <laughs> but the chains that Paul is wearing that he's talking about here, they're not festive chains. They're prison chains. He's literally chained to a Roman soldier. He is under house arrest. So as an ambassador of Jesus and a citizen of the kingdom of God, and he's not wearing expensive ornamental chains, he is wearing prison chains. But these chains were a fitting symbol, though, for what the crucified and risen Jesus came to do. You know, Jesus came to release people from their captivity to sin and to break every chain of bondage that holds him back. So therefore, Paul, as an ambassador in chains, and what a perfect representation of what Jesus came to do and free us from. So in closing this letter, Paul asked for prayer. He's asking for prayer that he would fulfill his role as a faithful ambassador, as an official representative of the kingdom of God, one who's been sent with a ministry and a message. He says, pray for me that I do it well. And what I, what I love about his attitude is he could have asked them to pray for anything. He could have said, pray that my situation will improve. Pray that I'll be released from jail. Pray that this, you know, this unfair thing will be over. But instead, what does he say? He goes, pray for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known the mystery of the gospel from an ambassador in chains. Pray that I can be bold enough to speak about it as I should. Pray that my situation and my circumstances would not hinder my calling. Pray that I may be bold. And so as we close this out, we're going to see that Paul ends his letter encouraging the church to not only pray for themselves, but to pray for him and own their identities as ambassadors of the kingdom of God. So the, the call to prayer for each other, he says, pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Learning how to pray 
is one of the most important things that a follower of Jesus needs to do. You know, I talk to so many people who will just say something like, you know, I'm just not good at prayer. It doesn't come natural to me. Hey, guess what? That's basically everybody. <laughs> there are very, very few people that are born natural good prayers. Maybe you have a certain disposition or a certain personality that allows you to you know, sit still and concentrate for long periods of time and you don't get distracted. That's probably like 3% of the population. For the rest of us, learning to pray is a skill and a discipline we're going to have to develop, like many other things. So I want this to be both a challenge and encouragement. Encourage me, if you're not very good at prayer, you're like most people, so you'll fit right in. (laughs) But the challenge is, we are called to develop this. We are called to learn how to go to God in prayer. I mean, even the disciples who were around Jesus said, said like, can you please teach us how to pray? And they didn't have iPhones. And they didn't have alerts that were distracting them all the time. And they still needed someone to teach them how to pray. And so he says, pray at all times. And this doesn't mean 24-7 prayer. It just means to be someone who prays regularly. Someone who is alert to prayer. Someone who, you know, because there's so many times during the day that you can find yourself drifting to prayer. Whether it's a uh, challenging cir- circumstance, that in the moment you need wisdom. You know, whether it's... Um, an unexpected time of worship you can go into to thank God. You know, a few weeks ago, I was driving into town after it, after it snowed, and we didn't get a lot of snow, which would describe every single snowstorm this year, but it was just enough that it stuck to the trees and stuck to everything, and it was breathtakingly beautiful. Like driving up over Route 9, down into Keene, you have Mount Monadnock, and it was, it was beautiful. And I just found myself in that moment thanking God that he created us in a way that we could experience beauty. God didn't have to do that. In the same way, he didn't have to give us so many taste buds to experience like, you know, great tasting stuff. He didn't have to create us to, to, to experience beauty, but he did. And when we do, it was just so beautiful. And I found myself just saying, you know, thank, thank you. Thank you that I, can, that I can experience this. And when he says that we're told to pray in the spirit, I don't think in this situation he's talking about a special type of prayer. Because this is the language of common prayer. Pray at all times. Pray in, in, in the spirit. Because God is triune, which means he is you know, three persons, one God. Father, Holy Spirit, and Son. And so he has given us his Holy Spirit to help know and experience it. So this is kind of how it plays in, in this. In verse 17, we're told the Holy Spirit speaks to us through God's word. There is something that can happen when you are filled with God's Holy Spirit and you're reading his word that he can help you understand it or convict you. Like something happens that is different than you're just, re- just when you're reading a novel. Like it's God's word and God's spirit can do something to you to help you understand it in a deeper way. And in the, so, and in the same way, God's spirit can help us pray and speak to God. So almost through the scriptures, the Holy Spirit helps God speak to us. And through prayer, the Holy Spirit helps us speak to God. That, that's kind of the, the, the two sides of it. And there's one final note on, on, on prayer that we also need to hear. He says, stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. So last week, Justin talked about uh, you know, the putting on the armor of God and, 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 spir- and um, spiritual battle. But this imagery reminds us that we're not going into battle alone. We talk about our mission as a church is to practice the way of Jesus together. You know, Christianity, while it's personal, 
It's not private and it's not a solo thing. You do it together. So even in this thing asking for prayer, it's saying, hey, pray for those around you because it's almost like you're not going into battle alone. You have a battalion. You have a group of people who literally have your back. And when you think about how soldiers and armies work, you rely on each other. You need each other. You're, you're dead without each other. And in the same way, pray regularly for one another because you're not doing this thing alone. But Paul goes on, he says, pray for each other, but also pray for me. I love that he wasn't too mature to ask for prayer. He was like, can you pray for me? I need help. Like, never think that you're too mature or you have it all together that you don't need prayer. Often, you know, maybe in groups, people you'll go around, does anybody have prayer requests? And it's very common someone to say, no, I, you know, I'm, I'm good, but can you pray, you know, pray for something, pray for my friend? Listen here, if the Apostle Paul needs prayer, you need prayer. <laughs> when you say, I'm good, you're just like, we all need prayer. And Paul was not too proud to ask for it. He says, pray for me. Pray that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known the boldness, with boldness, the mystery of the gospel. So what he's saying really is, pray that God would give me the wisdom to know what to say in whatever circumstance I find myself in, and then the boldness to then say it. Because, you know, which is two related but different things. So how many of you have ever been in the position where you feel confident you know what to say, but out of fear you held back? Anyone been there? Like, I know what I should say, and then you just didn't say it. All right. How many of you had said something, and you were really bold, but looking back, you wish you had more wisdom? Like, oh, gosh, I wish I wasn't so bold in that moment. Yeah, everyone's like, here we go. Spouse pointing over, yeah. Which is why we need help with both. Pray for wisdom and for boldness. And we don't actually get any indication that Paul was lacking, lacking in these things. Listen to the end of the book of Acts. This is Acts 28. This is in the area, I believe, when he wrote Ephesians. And this is what, these are the final verses, the final lines of the book of Acts. Speaking of Paul, it says, he lived there for two whole years at his own expense. He welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. That's sort of the last we're told of Paul in Acts. How beautiful would that be for that to be what people say about us? You know, our situations are going to be different. But, you know, they spoke about Jesus with boldness and without hindrance. That would be beautiful. So as I was kind of thinking, so how, how, how do we live this out? What does it really mean to be bold and to speak freely? Because to be bold really just means not that you're kind of butting in and shouting and almost being inappropriate. But being bold is learning how to speak as you should because you're not worried about the consequences. Because what often holds us back from being bold is fear, right? Is fear. We are afraid of what might happen. You know, there's so many, so many ways that fear holds us back, especially when it comes to spiritual conversations or sharing the gospel with others. I was thinking about for myself personally. One of them is fear of making things awkward or messing up our relationship. Kind of ever, ever had that fear? And I struggle with that at times. Uh, fear from past failures. 
You know, I've, I've talked to a few of you who are like really excited. You said, I, you know, I finally like got a chance to share just some stuff with so-and-so and they just totally shot me down. Like that fear and you're like, ugh, the fear of failure. Or maybe the fear of insecurity. Like just not knowing what to say. Well, what if they ask me this? Or what if they ask me this? Feeling like I have to know everything. There's gonna be so many things that hold us back that are rooted in fear. So, so how do we get over this? How do we uh, be like Paul, be people who can speak about Jesus with boldness and without hindrance? You know, and practically speaking, how do we do this? And I, I just kind of want to make uh, two suggestions, or two, I think there's more, but here are two big ones. And the first is to know your identity as an ambassador and believe it. To know your identity as an ambassador and believe it because action flows from identity. So let me read to you 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20. This is, this is another place in scripture where Paul uses this, this ambassador language. He says, uh, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, because of this, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. So just let that sink in for a minute. If you have been made new in Jesus, which means if you're a Christian, if you have given your life to him, the Holy Spirit is in you, if you've been saved, whatever kind of term you want to put on it, you are also commissioned as an ambassador. There is no separation. If you've been made new, you're an ambassador. So if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, you're in here this morning, just want you to say this. I am an ambassador. Now that you know it and you have verbalized it, you don't get to let yourself off the hook. <laughs> this is your identity. This is who you are. You are an ambassador for Jesus, which is why as a church, we're honestly so passionate about the gospel conversations trainings we do and why we don't stop talking about them. My guys are like, I thought that was just sort of a fad that would eventually go away and we can move on to something else and we just keep talking about it. Here is why. You know, one of the jobs of the leadership of the church is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. That is like the number one job title for pastors and leaders in a church is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And one of the key works of ministry for followers of Jesus is understanding what it means to be an ambassador of the good news. Someone who's been commissioned with a ministry and a message. So we want to help you live into that. And there's lots of ways to do it. We're not saying that you know, how we teach people to do it is the only way, but it's a way. And I feel like everybody needs a way. And I tell people, if you don't like this one, just tell me what your way is and tell me why it's better and we'll do that. <laughs> but we're not off the hook because our identity is we are ambassadors. We've been commissioned with a ministry and a message. And there's this phrase in here that I didn't really think much of until I started to think about it. It says, we have been entrusted with the ministry and the message of reconciliation. So when someone entrusts you with something valuable, have you ever had that happen? 
Someone will say, hey, can you hold on to this for me? Or maybe you're house-sitting somebody's house and it's a really nice house or whatever. When you've been entrusted with something valuable, you want to find yourself to be trustworthy, right? You want to be trustworthy with what's been entrusted to you. So one of the ways that we are you know, trustworthy with what's been entrusted to us is through the power of the Holy Spirit and a growing love for God, we try to become bold ambassadors. And here's step two. And it's actually step one. Uh, it's going to go out of order. But step two is this. We need to grow in love. We need to grow in love. Um, I, th- I came across this quote that I think is so true. The biggest thing holding us back you know, in sharing the gospel or taking risks is not the presence of fear, but the absence of love. Because we know that love helps us overcome our fear or this idea that perfect love casts out fear. So how, how do we then develop a deep love that can overcome our fear? Because there's never going to be a time when you're not a little bit afraid. I don't know if you guys were here in March. Uh, we got a really good chance to have Ying Kai come and speak to us. So if you don't know Ying, he's a Chinese missionary who might have had one of the most you know, outsized impacts for the kingdom of God since probably the Apostle Paul. Like, you know, millions of people have come to faith under his ministry hundreds of thousands of churches planted. And even he said, I find myself often scared. I find myself often, you know, not bold. And so I have to always pray that God would connect my heart with his heart, that I would be filled with love. So this is something we all will need to, in one sense, overcome. But but we can develop a deep love that overcomes our fear when we get close to the heartbeat of the Father when we get close to the heartbeat of the Father and we start to see how much he loves the world. I mean, one of the most simplest definitions, uh, uh, not definitions, but explanations of the good news comes straight from Jesus himself. When he says, for God so loved the world out of love that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So on Tuesday as a staff, we're just kind of talking of how do we help our community sort of grow in our love for God and get connected to his heart. How do, how do we do this? And one of the ways you can do it is by, I would say, curating your attention. Curating your attention onto God in an in a, you know, in uh, intentional way to help you just kind of see and fall in love with, 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 with who he is. You know, um, I'll, you're talking about like one of the first studies we open with in the gospel conversations training. It's called the Father's Heart. And it goes from Genesis to Revelation. You just start to see the pattern over and over how God desires all people and all places to come to know him. That God's heart is for everyone. And as, you're, as you start to get close to his heartbeat, you start that your heart will start to beat like his. Your heart will start to resonate for the same things. And so between now and Easter, um, we thought, let's just be intentional as a community, try to curate that in ourselves. You know, Lent has never actually been a part of my tradition growing up, um, but I love the idea of, of, of Lent that ends up being a purposeful time of preparation and focus leading up to Easter. And so sort of our, I wouldn't even say our own version of it because it's not the same, but we came up with the idea of there's about 35 days between right now and Easter. So how do we have 35 days of intentionality where we can set aside a simple set of practices and rhythms for our church to just help us focus on God. 
Help us curate our, our attention and see what we can do. Help us grow in our love for him. And we kind of broke it up with the ideas of what can we do daily, what can we do weekly, and what's just something we can try to all do in the next 35 days. And so for a daily, just the idea that everyone is just praying for their ecos. And that, well, we talk about this, what an ecos is is simply it's just your friends, family, neighbors, coworkers that don't know Jesus. That you're just praying for them. Pray for boldness. Uh, set an alert on your phone for 10.02. That everyone's phone goes off at the same time and that's just to pray for uh, laborers to go into the harvest. And we're gonna send an email out so you don't have to remember all of this. But it doesn't have to be long, but how cool would it be every day? Everyone's, everyone's phone's going off at the same time. It's like, oh, just gonna be alert again to this. I'm gonna pray for this. Um, and then read one chapter of Luke a day to get your mind saturated in the story of Jesus. We have a bunch of these to give away. It's, uh, it's called The Essential Jesus. It's out on the white table. And it's just the Gospel of Luke um, written in a way where the uh, verse headings are taken out. So it reads more like a story. And it's just easy to kind of get your mind around the whole thing. You know, if you, if you think this would help, take one. We have a bunch for that. And then weekly, uh, we're going to open up the church just kind of one day a week for prayer, probably Thursdays, and have a set time where both at 7, noon, and 4, where you could maybe before work or on your lunch break or if you've got to work early, you just kind of come in here and just pray. Pray with a few other people uh, just kind of uh, once a week. And then we're also going to encourage everyone to try... Um, and you don't have to, you know, this is all by invitation, but, but try a fast. And the easiest way to kind of slide into fasting is go from like, you know, have dinner, eat dinner, and then really just skip breakfast, lunch, and then end your fast with dinner. It's a very, you know, you know easy-ish way to kind of go into it. But as you find yourself hungry, let that hunger kind of draw you to God. And Lord, pray, Lord, this hunger I have for food, develop this hunger in me for you. And then monthly, kind of two things, well, three things. We're gonna have a night of worship on Thursday, March 15th here, specifically geared at just curating our heart for God. We're probably gonna do it, we haven't done it in a while, but do it in the round where we set everything, we set the music up in the middle and we take out all the chairs and everyone's kind of around so we're kind of worshiping together and not kind of looking up uh, onto a stage. And then I want to invite everyone to just take one tangible risk for the gospel this month. I don't know what that is for you. Maybe it's inviting, maybe for you it's inviting someone to Easter. Maybe it's sharing with a friend you want to share with. Just take one tangible risk. It might sound like a lot. It's really not when you kind of build into your schedule. But this is a way to curate our attention and our focus on God and pray that his love for us will grow and the Holy Spirit can change us into people of love because love is what's going to make us bold. Because love casts out fear. Love is, we're not going to walk out of here and become bold uh, ambassadors out of guilt. Where you just hear, you know what, you're not doing enough. You know, uh, wouldn't, it be, wouldn't it be great if you were a bold ambassador instead of a, you know, sort of a, a, a you know, shy person? Like, that's not going to do anything except make you feel bad. That doesn't, but scripture encourages us by love. If we can grow in love for, uh, for what God has done for us, that emboldens us. Because we are ambassadors for Christ. And God has entrusted us with the ministry and the message of reconciliation. We want to be found to be trustworthy. So I'm going to have the, the, the music team is going to come up. And we're going to end uh, with you know, a tag and a song. But the tag is a, is, is a song called Light a Fire. And it's, a, it's more of a prayer because it's very simple. But it's a prayer 
that Jesus would do in us what only he can do. You know, it's, it goes just kind of light a fire in my soul that I can't contain and I can't control because I want more of you. And that's really our prayer. And it's out of that that we can truly love others the way we need to. So let me pray. Lord, I thank you that uh, we have been commissioned as ambassadors, that we have been gifted this message of the good news that has changed and impacted us. And Lord, help us just fall so deeply in love with you that our greatest desire would be to share that with others. Light a fire in us. We want to experience your love and your joy in deeper and deeper ways. Here I pray. Amen. We hope this message has been impactful. For more information about how you can connect with Elm City Church, visit elmcitychurch.com or follow us on social media. We'd love to help you take some next steps.